Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. Dr. Katie Casto, you are an Austin-based physical therapist specializing in orthopedic and pelvic floor conditions. Your passion is working with and supporting active women, particularly through education and injury prevention in the wellness space. Dr. Katie, welcome. I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Hi, Tessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our chat. Likewise. So let's just like dive right into like, what is physical therapy? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, It kind of depends on the setting you're in. But in general, physical therapy is kind of thought of um, as being therapy for people that are in pain. But kind of more modern physical therapists will also treat people without pain. I'm just kind of more in the wellness space, working on injury prevention, um, or just kind of getting people stronger, feeling better in general. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like when people think of physical therapy, they think, oh, I'm if I'm injured, I can start working with a, a physical therapist. But what do you do in the interim? So do you not have to be injured to start working with a physical therapist? Definitely not. And I personally prefer to see people before they're injured um, because just working with so many people that do have pain um, or have been injured you start to see patterns over time. And it's like, oh, you know, I just, if I could have worked with you sooner, I really feel like we could have prevented this from happening in the first place, or maybe from getting worse. Um, We kind of consider ourselves movement specialists. So um, just anything to do with movement, we like to help with. And a lot of times with injuries too, if you wait for the injury to become really bad, or your pain to become really bad before you see someone for help, a lot of times it's going to take longer to recover. It's going to be more difficult to recover. It's going to be a longer process. So yeah, definitely my opinion. And I think a lot of other physical therapists would say too, don't wait to come in if you have pain. And you know, if you're someone that's just active and you have questions in general about your form, or you're not really sure what you should be doing, we love to see that kind of person as well. So Katie, you're telling me that me waiting six months before I seeked out a physical therapist (laughs) was too long? (laughs) Yes, but honestly, I totally understand because um, like we were just chatting before we got on, insurance is a huge barrier for a lot of people. So absolutely, we see that happening a lot and I totally understand why. Yeah. And as you mentioned, we were talking about this a little bit before. So I think this is kind of a good segue going back to that conversation we were having before Mm -hmm. we started recording. So you were talking a little bit about how it can be so expensive to go see specialists, whether it be a sports medicine doctor to see your Mm -hmm. regular doctor or to go see a physical therapist. Now, before we talk about the expensive side of things or the financial side of things, Mm -hmm. do you have to be referred to a physical therapist to see one? So it depends on the state that you're in, um, because each state has a different practice act. But at this point, I believe every state has some form of direct access, meaning that you can see a physical therapist without a referral, at least for a certain period of time. 
So for in, in Texas, for example, you can see a physical therapist for about 10 days before you need that referral from your doctor. And then the physical therapist can al always help you get the referral if you're having a hard time with it. So yeah, it, it depends. And it also depends on what clinic you're going to and what insurance you have. Some insurances will require a referral from your doctor for them to kind of reimburse services. And some clinics have policies where they want to have a referral before you come in. Gotcha. So, but you had also mentioned that there are just cash-based uh, clinics yes. as well, correct? Yes, exactly. In cash-based clinics, um, they do still have to um, have a referral. They do still have to follow the State Practice Act, but you wouldn't have those same requirements from your insurance, which allows a lot more freedom kind of in, in how they're treating you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's good to mm -hmm. know. So like what, what happens in the instance where you are injured? So, okay, I'll give you an example. I had mm -hmm. surgery on my ankle a few years back, but I was never referred to physical therapy and never went to physical therapy. Oh. But I feel like had I gone, I would have been able to recover so much faster than I did. And so like what happens in that case where your doctor like doesn't refer it and claims that you would maybe don't need it? Can you, you can still seek one out, right? Absolutely. And would highly recommend that, especially after surgery. I'm so confused how you weren't referred Me too. <laughs> to a physical therapist. Um, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. You are in control of your own care. So if you want something, you can reach out, of course. And like I said, if for some reason your doctor does not want to give you a referral and you need one, your physical therapist should be able to help you with that. Um, kind of like justify the reason why you would need physical therapy. But thankfully, most doctors are, you know, very open to referring their patients to physical therapy. So yeah, in your case, absolutely, like, just seeking one out on your own. Yeah, I wish I would have known that. Because again, I think that probably would have caused me a lot of um, less pain and distress trying to recover yeah. from an ankle injury. But um, always something to learn. I also think it's really important that people know that they are allowed to advocate for their own health, even if their Absolutely. doctors don't refer them to things. If you think something might be wrong or mm -hmm. you're not referred to somebody and still think that you need some additional care, I think it's really important to remember that your health is in your control and you do have the option to kind of seek those things out and Again, advocate for yourself because not everybody is going to have the right answer. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that the system is set up that way where you might not be given like every single option when you go to see the doctor about, you know, what you can do for treatment. So it is important, like you said, you have to be able to advocate for yourself and just, you know, trying to um, have a baseline knowledge of like your options use the internet, you know, look things up, that can be really helpful. So you're telling us to Google things. I always laugh. I was telling, telling my, you to my, Google. <laughs> I saw my roommate the other day. I said, I don't understand how people can't figure things out sometimes. We have Google. Yeah. I'm like such a big Googler. Not, yeah, not to sure. the point. I'm not like a web MD or I'm not trying to figure out everything that's wrong with me. But yeah. when I need answers, There's a line. the internet yeah. really comes across. And social media. We met through social media mm -hmm. just from searching. I don't even remember if it was just Austin based or health and wellness based, but there's so much mm -hmm. good stuff on the internet. And I think that's something people should yeah. start using a little bit more often to find some answers. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think the internet is a great way to find options. It's not the best, like you said, for self-diagnosing or <laughs> trying to treat an issue because it's like information overload, you know, like 
so much out there. It's hard to know where to start. But yeah, I do think it's a great way to like help build awareness of issues and options and things like that. Yeah. And like you said, it can be an information overload when it comes to the internet itself. So like what kind of doctors or practices should you start with when experiencing pain? Like how do you know if you need to go to a PT, a chiropractor, specialist, et cetera? So I'll just preface preface this by saying I'm very biased because I am a physical therapist. That's fair. um, (laughs) I do think typically the best option would be to start with a physical therapist rather than again, depends on the state in your insurance. So rather than going straight to a doctor, unless you've had some sort of like acute trauma, like large injury, you know, obviously go see your doctor. But um, if it's just kind of like a pain issue, chronic pain, um, overuse injury type situation, physical therapists, like that's our bread and butter. That's what we're trained in. So to me, that would be the best option is to see your physical therapist first. Yeah, and obviously we're speaking to a lot of people who are in the health and wellness space, and you you mentioned overuse injury. Now, I'm convinced this is most likely how I got injured just from either doing too much weight, doing too much, not not recovering properly, not doing any mobility work, which is really terrifying. I know Mm -hmm. I'm working on that and like not proper stretching. And so I think it is important to remember that all of these things combined and physical therapy is sort of that like extra leg in your wellness routine. If you are experiencing any sort of discomfort or pain, things like that. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that's a big thing too, like you mentioned. So a lot of people that are healthy in general are you know, really into wellness. They like to be active. They like to exercise. A lot of them will still end up injured because like you said, there's other aspects to kind of being fit than just the, you know, doing as much exercise as you can. So like you mentioned, it's important to have that balance between training and recovery, addressing any like mobility limitations that you have strength training, which I know you do a lot of, which I love. Um, that's like the best thing for injury prevention. So yeah, there there's a lot of other factors at play too, for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. But I do think that there can be this fine line when it comes to what physical therapists do and what personal trainers do. Can you speak a little bit about what the difference of a physical therapist and a personal trainer is and what their scope Mm -hmm. of practice really is? Yeah, I will say my part. And then I'd love to hear what you feel about this as well. Because I know, yeah, there's um, some conflicting viewpoints, I'm sure on this. But scope of practice wise, um, physical therapists can diagnose and treat injuries and pain and things like that. So um, that, I guess, traditionally is the, I think the biggest differentiator between a personal trainer and a physical therapist. Um, now, kind of like what we were talking about before, physical therapists are a lot more in the wellness space now, too, um, with injury prevention and just kind of promoting overall fitness um, in a in a smart way that um, helps to prevent injuries. So I think the two fields kind of overlap in a lot of ways. They're not mutually exclusive. I agree. And I think that for me, on my opinion of that is that I do not think that personal trainers should be diagnosing anything. I think that is very out of scope of practice, whether it be an injury, whether it be illness, whether it be something in the nutrition side of things. 
And then as far as exercise goes, I personally do not take on clients who are experiencing injuries or have had severe Mm. injuries and have not been treated by a physical therapist because I know from personal experience how you can exacerbate an injury by just continuing to do things or pushing heavy weights. My clients are lifting very heavy and that is the goal Mm -hmm. of the program. Yes, it's lifestyle, but we are doing lifting weights. And so if a client comes to me and they're already have, they already have a pre-existing injury that has not been diagnosed, but they're telling me that they Mm -hmm. constantly have pain for something, then I am going to make sure I am sending them to the proper care for that. Now, the other thing about personal trainers is we can teach and educate our clients and give them knowledge about other movements they can do if they do have an injury. Say it's a knee injury that is constantly exacerbated by something, then we can make sure the movements that we are programming for that client are not just knee-based leg movements. There are other movements that are helping to strengthen the muscles surrounding their knee. So we're working on things that are helping to strengthen their quads, strengthen their their calves so that Mm -hmm. they have a strong base, but we're never saying, oh, I think that you must have torn something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've torn something Um, or not. Right, right. And for sure, I think think that sounds great. And in the past, I have worked with personal trainers. um, And a lot of times I'll just have a discussion with them and let them know, like, um, kind of what's been going on, and we can kind of work together to create a program that'll help benefit them in the long run. Uh, because personally, I would want my clients or my patients to continue to work out as much as possible to stay as active as possible during their recovery, because that is important. Like in the end, we want to be building strengths and things like that. So sometimes, like you mentioned, there's modifications we might need to make at the beginning. But the end goal would be to get back to working with someone like you full time or doing it on their own where they are, you know, able to lift heavy weights and not just kind of avoid it forever. Oh, gosh, the avoiding. I feel like that happens so often. But I also love that you Mm -hmm. said working together. I think Mm -hmm. that people assume that if you're going to physical therapy or if you're seeking out help from somebody external, whether that be a chiropractor, that you should just exclusively work with that person. But I think it's nice to hear that people within the fitness space have the ability to work together because although I wouldn't consider my clients patients, they kind of are in that same regard. And so I would want them to be getting the best care. I mean, I tell my clients all the time if they end up seeking therapy for something, if they want me to ever talk to their therapist about the nutrition that we're working on. So it's not Mm -hmm. triggering any bad feelings or working with a physical therapist. I don't want to tell my client to do a certain movement that you then prescribe them to back off of or whatever that looks like. So Mm -hmm. working together makes it so much easier for both professionals to do the best they can. Because at the end of the day, we all have the same goal. Absolutely. I like to think about it just like a team. We're all a team that's working together to help the client and like you said, too, we refer people um, to mental health practitioners and things, too, because all of that is so important for pain management and recovery. So I really do think it's all interconnected and it's important to be able to have like all these different team members so that um, you're not missing out on any one piece. OK, so in that same vein of 
us all working together to help our clients to do the best they can. Where is the divide of like what personal trainers can use from physical therapy to help their clients? Like I always get the question like, oh, can personal trainers use rehab exercises for their clients? Mm, That's a good question. I would say... Oh, I would say that the personal trainer probably shouldn't prescribe like rehab exercises for their client, but like we give exercises for the the client or the patient to do by themselves at home. So I don't see anything wrong with them like doing that with you there. But I think, yeah, because it's kind of being overseen by a physical therapist. So um, yeah, like I said, I don't think a personal trainer, since you can't, you know, diagnose or treat an injury should be prescribing the rehab exercises themselves, but working with a physical therapist, then I think that would be fine. I think that this also maybe comes from the pelvic floor side of things because Mm -hmm. myself, a lot of the people I follow on social media, a lot of the women that I'm friends with on social media do have a majority of female clients. And I feel Mm -hmm. like pelvic floor health. I'm putting this in quotation marks because it's become sort of this hot topic that I've been hearing a lot about. I had never heard about like healing your pelvic floor or doing pelvic floor exercises before. And so I think that that's one of the things that a lot of clients come to me and they're like, what can I do for my pelvic floor? And Mm -hmm. I know that I would need to refer somebody specifically out. So before we kind of get into this conversation, can you explain in like layman's terms, like what the (laughs) pelvic floor is and what, what issues it may cause or what people may be seeing um, within their pelvic floor? Yes. Yes. So the pelvic floor is a bunch of muscles um, located at the bottom of your core. So kind of the bottom of the pelvis Kind of think of your two sit bones. Mm -hmm. It's the, the area between those two bones. So you have a bunch of muscles down there and it's actually part of your core. So um, it plays a lot of really important roles and a lot of uh, different roles. Some of them can be more related directly to pelvic floor, like what you might typically think of. So like urinary incontinence or bladder leaks, it plays a role in sexual intercourse. Um, But some other roles that it plays that are really interesting is it, so the muscles connect to your pelvis. So it plays a really important role in the stability of your pelvis and the overall function of your core. So we do see a lot of people like with hip pain or with back pain that have pelvic floor dysfunction as well. It's actually like a really high percentage of people that have pelvic floor dysfunction um, that have no clue. So those, like that's one of my favorite kind of patient groups to work with is people that have um, back pain, maybe they've had chronic back pain and they've tried physical therapy, but they're kind of missing that one component, which is the pelvic floor. And that can make a huge difference. So. I think it's really kind of mind blowing to a lot of people, all the different roles, these muscles that we've never really thought about um, play in our kind of whole body function. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a hot topic right now. Like you said, (laughs) is there a way to tell if you are having issues with your pelvic floor? Like, is there a couple like telltale signs? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, um, bladder leaks or urinary incontinence, A lot of ones that I see like in younger women, it could be like a diagnosis of interstitial cystitis, endometriosis, could be just feeling like you need to use the restroom all the time or like 
when you need to, like when you first get that urge to go to the restroom, it's really strong. Like I got to get there right now. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be painful intercourse, back pain, hip pain. Like I said, those are all signs that probably you have some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic floor involvement. And then also like it can be related to other things too. So like um, if you have like diastasis recti, so like the separation of your abdominals, recently pregnant or postpartum, like all of these things will impact your pelvic floor. I feel like one of the things that I hear the most about is women who have just given birth or Mm -hmm. looking to get back into exercise, but they're kind of fearful because they're like, every time I laugh, I pee my pants. And so would that be a sign that they possibly have some issues with their pelvic floor and need to see a specialist or need to see somebody in regards to that? Yes, I would say that's 100% a sign. And I would even recommend anyone that is pregnant or postpartum that they see a pelvic floor physical therapist, even if they're not having any issues, because there's so much we can do to help educate and help you like recognize any signs of dysfunction and hopefully prevent things from happening too. So is it not normal to pee your pants when you laugh then? (laughs) (laughs) I love this question. No, it's not normal. Uh, We like to say it's common, but not normal. And it's definitely been normalized by our society. Mm -hmm. And I've seen so many women that are just like, oh, you know, I've had kids, so I pee my pants. That's just how it is. And that's not true. (laughs) You do not have to accept that you're just going to be peeing your pants for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you know, it's so interesting when I was teaching group fitness, I would have so many women that wouldn't jump in class. They wouldn't do jumping jacks. They wouldn't do box jumps. They wouldn't do anything because they were so fearful that they were going to pee their pants or something of that nature. I think I had actually reached out to you on Instagram about a client who Mm -hmm. was constantly asking questions because she said when she squats, she always pees her pants and she's like, I don't know what to do. And so Mm -hmm. that obviously tells me that's not particularly um, a normal thing that's happening. Again, it's common, but it it shouldn't be happening if you are in good health or your pelvic floor is healthy. Absolutely. Yes. And there's um, just like any other area of the body or like an injury to any other area of the body, there's exercises we can do to help with that. So it's just muscles like anywhere else. We just need to train the muscles um, to function better. And usually we can, you know, stop, stop those things from happening. Yeah, I've seen a lot of personal trainers on Instagram that are starting to train their clients' pelvic floors. And now this is not an area that I am a specialist in by any means. So again, I do personally believe that that should be referred out to someone like you, who is very Mm -hmm. knowledgeable about the anatomy of the body, who understands exactly where the pelvic floor muscles are and understands how to and when to engage those. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, so I think it's great that more people are learning about the pelvic floor because it is super important. But the issue that we do see is sometimes, or most of the time, I feel like people are just told to do Kegels. Yeah. And the issue with that is I would say most of the people that I see actually have tight pelvic floor muscles rather than just like loose, weak muscles. So doing Kegels on top of tight muscles can actually make things worse. So that's why it's important to see someone or have like a full evaluation with a pelvic floor physical therapist so we can determine what the issue actually is so that the treatment isn't, you know, making things worse like Kegels can sometimes do. 
So Okay, so Kegels are not the answer. <laughs> yeah, they're usually, they can be, but usually they're not the answer. Even for someone that needs to strengthen their pelvic floor muscles, Kegels are just so isolated. We really need to teach um, the pelvic floor muscles how to function with the other muscles in the body. So it's not like we would just do Kegels. Like it's the pelvic floor is part of your body as a whole, just like other areas of physical therapy. We need to be able to train things to function together. So that would be just like doing leg extensions only and expecting to have nice legs and a nice butt. Yes, exactly. And then it's not functional too, right? Like that's not going to carry over to your everyday life if you're just doing leg extensions. Like you should be doing squats and functional movements. So yeah, exactly. That's good to know. What are your feelings Mm -hmm. about those little, um, have you ever seen those like metal balls that people were putting up inside themselves and doing keyboards with? I remember that was like on some reality show, maybe like the Kardashians or something. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, There's definitely a lot of interesting like devices out there that claim to help with pelvic floor dysfunction. I personally have never and probably will never recommend that anyone (laughs) use those again, because more often than not, the muscles are actually too tight and putting something in there where your muscles are having to hold the ball in, like that's a lot of work for your pelvic floor. And it's really hard. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. And that might make things go kind of the wrong way. So yeah. And even if your muscles are weak, a lot of times it is because they're tight. So like if you imagine um, like if you're squeezing your fist tight Uh all day long and then you go to pick up like a heavy dumbbell with your hand, your hand's going to feel tired, right? And it's not going to feel good. The same is true with the pelvic floor. If those muscles are being held tight all the time and then you jump or you cough or sneeze and you want those pelvic floor muscles to work, they're going to feel tired and they're not going to be able to do their job. So. Just had to throw that one out there too. So we don't always love the Kegels. (laughs) No, that was actually a question someone had asked. So I think that's always good because Mm -hmm. gosh, I mean, you remember reading Cosmopolitan magazine and that's, that's like the go-to solution for everything. It's just Kegels and you're like, okay, well like how, how long or how many? (laughs) So it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. touch on, Uh, but what are some like tips you would have for somebody that is looking to have better pelvic floor health, not necessarily having any issues, but they want it to remain healthy. <laughs> um, so I would say like the number one thing that I would start with is learning how to breathe, which I know sounds kind of funny, um, but learning how to breathe, breathe using your diaphragm. A lot of us are kind of chest breathers and um, that is not using your diaphragm effectively, which will impact your pelvic floor. So um, your breathing has a huge, huge impact on what your pelvic floor is doing. So I would say that's the number one thing I'd work on. And then the next one would be just learning how to engage your core correctly. A lot of, I see this a lot in active women too, very healthy active women that just, for some reason, their core coordination is a little bit off. And they're compensating whenever they're doing core exercises or just exercise in general. And that can lead to issues over time um, because it can affect your pelvic floor, you know, if the core is not engaging like it should be. So if you have like questions on this, I know it's a little bit vague. It's hard to explain in just a quick podcast, but feel free to send me a DM or anything if 
if you have questions and I do have some videos on my Instagram too. Yeah, your videos are super helpful. And I also love that you had mentioned people overcompensating and core exercises. All of my mm-hmm. clients know that I actually very rarely prescribe core movements because to build a strong core is not by doing crunches necessarily. And I think that's such a misunderstood fitness concept. I didn't understand that for a very long time. Now, those isolated core movements can be helpful to build your core, but the best way to build a strong core or a strong trunk is through, like you said, proper breathing and compound movements where you're using Mm -hmm. your entire body. I think people oftentimes forget how much core you're using when you're doing heavy squats, when you're doing deadlifts, when you're doing these large movements with your body, your core has to be engaged or you get hurt. Mm -hmm. I 100% agree with you with everything you just said. That's with physical therapy, we usually just start with smaller movements to teach people how to engage their core. And then we teach them how to bring it into like every movement they're doing, every exercise they're doing. Because you're exactly right. That's when we want the core to function. That's the purpose of the core is to be stabilizing when you're doing, like you mentioned, functional movement or compound movements, lifting heavy weights. Like all of that is going to be really great work for, for your core as long as you're engaging the muscles properly. Yeah, that's actually why I really like incorporating kettlebell work into a lot of clients' mm-hmm. work or ice, or I'm starting on isometric um, unilateral work because we're really trying to balance out that core, kind of find where those muscle imbalances are, but also for personal trainers and making sure that they understand that their clients do know how to breathe properly. Cause I will see videos of my clients where they are like taking a breath at the very bottom of their squat. And then they're having a really hard time getting up. And I can tell physically that their core is not embraced because they're either like sucking it in too hard to the point where it's almost in that vacuum tummy or where they're pushing it out so far and you're like, okay, something's not right here. And so I I do think that's really important to make sure that they understand how to do that. And I think there's also this like weird phenomenon in fitness where everyone thinks that by adding a weight belt, it's going to make you breathe better, but that's not the point of it. Um, (laughs) The point of it is almost to help you understand where your breath should sit if you're wearing it properly. Yes. Properly and bold. (laughs) Yes, I the weight belts. Yeah, there's there can be issues with that because putting the belt on can like it increases the pressure in your core and can increase the pressure down on your pelvic floor muscles. So if you're using a belt and you're not engaging your pelvic floor properly, that can cause some issues over time just from that pressure that's constantly being put down on your pelvic floor. The same thing happens if you're someone that like holds your breath mm-hmm. when you're lifting. Same thing, a big increase in pressure over time can cause issues with your pelvic floor. So yeah, a lot of it, like you were saying, a lot of what we do is talking about breathing techniques and how you should breathe when you're lifting, how you should time your breathing like with your core engagement. Yeah, and that's super functional as well because you mm-hmm. can take that knowledge into something as simple as like picking up your child. I exactly. when I work with women who do have children and they will they'll say, Oh, I can't lift that heavy or whatever. And I say, Okay, well, how much does your six year old child that wants to be picked up weigh? You have to be functional so that you can manage those type of tasks. Or I used to joke around with one of my clients and I would say, 
what would you do if something happened to your dog when you were out on a hike? Would you be able to pick her up? And she's like, oh my gosh, no, I wouldn't be able to pick her up. And I said, so we have to learn the proper techniques of breathing, core strength, squatting, so that we can do real life functional things that we're intended to do in life. A hundred percent. And like, that's why what you do is so important too, is we need to get more women to be lifting weights and getting stronger because like you said, it'll make everything they do in their daily life just that much easier. Like they're going to be picking up kids and car seats and equipment. And it's, it's just a lot. And I feel like people don't consider how much they're doing in their daily life and how much easier it would be if they were stronger. Yeah, it's great for your bone health. It's also really fun. Mm -hmm. There's so many yeah. benefits to weightlifting. <laughs> I could go on and on about it for mm. hours. Yeah, um, but no, these are also like just really helpful tips. Again, I don't know much about the pelvic floor at all, and so it's really important to go over these things and to be educated. And I know it's something that you're very passionate about because. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you're seeing these issues a lot of times in active women, and that's who I work with. Most of the people listening are active women, so it's good to be educated on. Yes, and definitely when, unfortunately, it's even we talked about just in general with physical therapy, how people sometimes aren't recommended it. It's even worse when it comes to women's health and pelvic floor health. Um, a lot of times women are just not aware that they even have an option to try something like physical therapy for whatever kind of issue they're having and are only recommended things like surgery or medication. So I think it's just really important to educate as many people as we can and really just to get the word out there that there are other options that are not surgery, they're not so invasive, um, and that you can advocate for yourself and you know find a physical therapist and see if that would be, you know, beneficial for you. Yeah, no, I love that. And Katie, how would somebody manage their pain or these issues while they're waiting for an appointment to happen? Is there something that people can do in the interim? Yeah, so that that one's tricky to answer because it depends on the issue for sure. And I would I would ask though, so why, like, how long are you waiting for this appointment? That That's my other concern. So if it's like, just, it's important to know your options. So again, if you're waiting, taking forever to get into your insurance-based clinic, just know that there's other options. Like there's some physical therapists that will see people online. There's cash-based clinics that they might have, you know, a shorter waiting period. It's something like with injuries and with pain, it's usually better seen earlier than later, like we talked about. So definitely, trying to get in as early as can. If you are waiting for your appointment and you just have like, there wasn't an, an acute trauma, there wasn't like a huge injury or anything like that. Just generally speaking, movement is medicine. So it's typically not recommended just to like lay in bed and do nothing all day when you have an injury. So that's kind of general advice. But again, it really depends on the injury. So it's hard for me to give recommendations. That's fair. I think it's also important to know like, just because movement is medicine also doesn't mean like continue to go back to the gym and lift as heavy as you exactly. possibly can. Because again, <laughs> speaking from personal experience, that's what I did for six months. And when I went and saw a sports medicine doctor, she prescribed me a steroid to take. Mm -hmm. I cannot remember what it was called. And yes, it took away the pain, but I have never been so miserable on a medication. It like it caused so many weird issues during the seven days that I took it. And 
I, yeah, it just like wasn't great. And I absolutely wish because of what I do for a living that I would have gone to somebody sooner because waiting six months to be seen for an injury that just continued to get worse and worse and worse. Like now I have such bad muscle imbalance on my right side because of that injury because I continued to aggravate it (laughs) for such Mm -hmm. a long time. And so I should have just taken things easier, eased back into it, but a lesson learned. (laughs) You live and you learn. But yeah, absolutely what you said too. Movement is medicine does not mean push through pain forever. And go see a PT too. So go (laughs) see a PT if you have pain because we can help, you know, guide you for your specific situation, for your specific injury so that you're able to get back to things quicker rather than delaying the process. So Katie, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on? Because before we started recording, you had mentioned that you are working on a course. Can you talk a little bit about that and like what's to come for Dr. Katie? (laughs) Yes, I would love to. So um, I am creating a course right now. I just kind of started onboarding a couple of founding members. And um, the reason why I created this course was because I was seeing patterns over time with a lot of the women that I was working with. So I was working with a lot of women that were kind of jumping around to different workout classes, workout programs, you know, watching YouTube videos. And um, they just were kind of confused on what they should be doing, feeling kind of lost, and they kept getting injured. So these are kind of the people that I created the course for. Um, It's a lot of education on kind of how to set up your training schedule. how to improve your recovery, how to work on your mobility and strength training and things like that to help um, hopefully prevent injuries from happening in the first place. Because as a physical therapist, you end up just seeing so many injured people and you're like, you know, if I could have just gotten to them sooner, we could have hopefully, I mean, prevented so many of these things from happening. So that's the reason why I created this course. And so, yeah, it's basically for active women that are just um, wanting to feel a little bit more empowered with what they're doing kind of with their training schedule and wanting to prevent injuries from happening in the long run. Very cool. So are there going to be exercises in this guide? Is it going to have the full workout routine? So it's not going to be like a prescribed workout routine because my goal is to kind of empower women with feeling like they're able to plan things for themselves. It does include things like mobility assessments and kind of how to set up your strength training routine. And for women that like to do classes and things like that, it's kind of how to incorporate that into a training schedule that's actually effective and won't leave you feeling burnt out and injured in the long run. Awesome. I love that. So this could actually be a really great resource for women who are active to take this to their personal trainers, their online trainers, whoever they're working with directly and kind of let them know what they're working on to prevent injuries if they are very injury prone and make sure that their provider on the physical movement side of things is creating a plan that is best laid out for them. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And Um, Like we talked about before, I really, really do appreciate the team approach. I don't think that, you know, people need to be only working with one person. So um, I think having people in your circle that can help you that have different backgrounds and different areas of expertise is the best way to go. 
I agree. I think there is enough business out there for everybody and it should really be a collaborative space because I think we can give each other so much knowledge and provide education to each other about different subjects that we can then take to either patients or clients so that they can receive the best care possible. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Katie, where can people find you and where will they be able to find your guide when it is ready? So you can find me on Instagram would be the best place at Moves K-A-T-I-E. If you're interested in the course, just send me a DM and I'll get you on the wait list. Awesome. That is so exciting. I cannot wait to see that course. I will be DMing you so that I can get on the wait list because I'm very <laughs> interested. I need to work on my mobility as well. So I think it will benefit trainers, clients, really anybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see that. And congratulations on working on that. Huge accomplishment. So great job. And again, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time just to chat. Tell us a little bit more about the pelvic floor, about what you do in physical therapy, and really help us understand uh, your ind- industry and your expertise. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me, Tessa. This was so much fun and I enjoyed chatting with you. Well, good. And just reminding everybody to be bold, to be confident, and to be you.